your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by the Sensory Learning Center with host and mother of a recovering child with autism, Betsy Hicks. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts, guests, and callers. In the next hour, Betsy and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Betsy Hicks. Hello and welcome, everybody. Today we have a very interesting topic and one that everybody, not just those dealing with autism, has some involvement in because just about everybody knows someone who's on a psychiatric drug. The topic today is really about the overly prescribed use of uh, psychiatric drugs and how necessary are they and why are they being pushed. Who we have with us today is award-winning investigator reporter Kelly O'Meara, and her coverage of the adverse effects of psychiatric mind-altering drugs is virtually unmatched by any other journalist in the United States. During her six-year tenure at the Washington Times Insight Magazine, O'Meara wrote a series of articles, more than two dozen, examining the prescription drug industry and the connection between prescription psychiatric drugs and the increasing number of school shootings. She focused heavily on the lack of science behind the psychiatric diagnosis for which the drugs are prescribed and the adverse reactions linked to antidepressants. Among the national and international press that have featured her articles, or asked her to appear are Fox News, The O'Reilly Factor, CBS News, BBC, ABC 2020, and Hannity and Combs. And, of course, Autism won a Conversation of Hope. How exciting this must be for you today, Kelly. Um, what, one last piece I have to uh, let everyone know is that for her work, the National Foundation for Women Legislatures named O'Meara Investigative Reporter of the Year in 2001 in the following year. The Citizens Commission to Human Rights gave her their International Human Rights Award. So, Kelly, thank you so much for agreeing to be on our show here on Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. Well, it's a great pleasure for me um, on a number of levels. Uh, although we're going to speak about psychiatric drugs and, and, you know, the fraud of psychiatric diagnosing, I, as you know, have written many, many articles about autism. Well, yes, and the... You know, it's it's not just the autism. Let's let's talk about the spectrum of autism, everywhere from ADD to ADHD, and and all the different mm-hmm. additions to that. Because this is definitely a show that I don't want to just be centered on autism. Uh-huh. Uh, let's. Uh, my first main question that I have for you is: In the United States, what percentage of Americans approximately are on uh, some sort of psychotic? Drugs. Psychiatric, Psychiatric drugs. drugs. Right. Well, you know, that's a very good question. And in my book, I, when I was writing the book, I, I, I tried to get that number, okay? Um, the best estimate that I could come up with, because there is no central clearinghouse for that information. In other words, the federal government, state governments, insurance companies, nobody keeps, you know, track um, and puts it all together and says, oh, okay, this is how many people are taking it. What, we, what, we, what I got was 60 million, mm-hmm. okay? And that really is, is low-balling it and that, because that only represents the, 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 
top three selling psychiatric drugs okay. on the market. Okay. So there are 30, 31 uh, psychotropic drugs for psychiatric alleged psychiatric disorders. So um, I, I believe that we're well into the 100 million mark. Which would make what percentage? Half. <laughs> that's pretty high. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty a, high. Actually, it's not, it, the high isn't the word, it's scary. It is scary. It's tremendous. That, that, what that suggests is that half of all Americans need to wake up every day and take a psychotropic drug in order to function normally, quote-unquote. Right. Um, and that's, that's scary. So the next curiosity I have then is in relation to other countries where, you know, obviously some of them don't have the, the, the money is, or the resources to be able to, of course, you know, they're, they're going to push where the money is. Sure. But if you're looking at some other countries such as um, more wealthier areas, mm-hmm. what, are, what are percentages there? Are they, are they well, that's, a, again, uh, these are great questions. And, again, other countries <laughs> don't keep records either. But what's right. interesting is that the United States seems to, um, really have cornered the market on psychiatric diagnosing and psychiatric drugs. Right. And perhaps it's our, our health system, our healthcare system, um, that covers these things. Um, but the fact is in Great Britain, as again, as I write in my book, I think it was because of the decisions made in Great Britain uh, in 2003-2004 that forced our FDA to hold hearings about the adverse reactions of psychiatric drugs on children um, that we changed and and added black boxes to the drugs for children's use. Um, And in Great Britain now, they've effectively banned the use of psychiatric drugs on children under 18. Really? Yeah. In in, in almost every European uh, country that's part of the European Union, they have banned them. Okay, so is it, it's, it's, is it solely a matter of lobbying? Is it a matter of, the, it's, is it this psychiatric field that is really to blame for this, or is it psychiatrists? Is it- well, it's a, it's a two-pronged problem. The first part of the problem is the diagnosis. Without the diagnosis, you can't get the drugs, okay? Right. So the diagnosis is not based in science. The psychiatric diagnosis of ADHD, of depression, uh, you know, you name any psychiatric diagnosis, bipolar, obsessive-compulsive, whatever, you know, you can't get a psychiatric drug until you get that label. Um, And the fact is, ADHD, for instance, in the history of the world, never has science or medicine ever found an abnormality in the brain that is ADHD. So, right, it's I speculation. Agree. In fact, you know, they'll admit it. We don't know. We don't know what is ADHD. We don't know what causes it. So they're taking this list, 18 behaviors, you know, raises his hand at a turn, wiggles in his chair. You know, I mean, this really subjective list of behaviors of children and lumping them together and saying, okay, if your child uh, has six of these symptoms, then they're suffering from this psychiatric disorder called ADHD. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. In medicine, imagine for a moment, this is important, 
Imagine for a moment that, you know, a doctor tells you your child has cancer. And you go, well, what tests? Well, we don't, we don't have any tests. We just think that they have cancer. Right. What parent would accept that? Right. Okay? So the same needs to be said and thought of in psychiatry. In other words, you're telling me my child is suffering from a brain abnormality that you have no proof exists. It is your opinion. That's all. Your opinion of my child's behavior. So are you speculating then that these children have absolutely nothing that's different about them? It's just solely a matter of somebody's opinion? Or do you feel that they do have maybe some behaviors that need worked on, but it's, you know, do you feel that it has any biomedical significance whatsoever, I guess is what I'm asking. Well, again, the the important thing for me as a writer and and certainly for parents who are going to subject their children to the remedy, which is mind-altering drugs that are extraordinarily dangerous and and potentially life-threatening, you have to ask yourself, what are the drugs treating? Okay? And if there is no brain, objective, confirmable brain abnormality, what are the drugs treating? What are they treating? Right. That and, and until somebody could answer that for me as a parent, I'd have to go, well, if you don't even know what this drug is treating, why would I let you give it to my child? Well, it, it goes into deficiencies because our children are not riddle and deficient. Exactly. So there is no <laughs> Stratera, Concerta, Adderall, Ritalin uh, deficiency in the brain. So what is this drug treating? Well, you know... That is what's most important to to take in and to make an informed decision. Certainly, these drugs will change people's behavior, but so will cocaine and heroin. Right. Um, right. You know, would a parent wake up every day and go, "Here, honey, take your cocaine"? <laughs> no, but it, but Ritalin is cocaine. It is, and I mean, it's snorted by and it's bought bought on the black market. It's done everything in the same way. It is a Schedule II drug, and if you go to the DEA's website, they will tell you that there is no difference between Ritalin and cocaine. The dangers of Ritalin. Do but, we even begin to even know them yet? Because how long have generation has a generation had been on them? Well, Ritalin has been around since I think 1955. Okay. But we didn't start using it in mass quantities uh, until the 80s, and that's when the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, added ADHD uh, to the book, to the manual. And then insurance companies could then bill. You could bill the insurance company for treatment. Mm-hmm. So that's really when it kicked in. <laughs> um, and the fact is, the United States consumes 85% of the world's Ritalin. 85%. That means every other country in the world uses the other 15%. That's ridiculous. Well, how do we have this strange, you know, mental disease that the rest of the world doesn't have? Well, you know, and Kelly, I know that you've spoken with a lot of the autism um, groups and... yeah those that advocate a lot of the vaccine damage Mm -hmm. as well as um, even in my own practice we see children with a myriad of of problems everywhere from 
um, food, to what food does to them, sure. to what parasites, to what lack of nutrition does to their brain because these kids aren't getting nutrition anymore. I mean, and that's but one of the main reasons I asked about the different countries because of the fact that we eat, we're, we, we eat so absolutely horrible in this country. It's so tremendously embarrassing that it doesn't surprise me that our children are suffering. We have to take a, a quick break right now. When we get back, let's talk a little bit more about um, some of these drugs that are used for ADD as well as uh, we'll, we'll go into some of the more, shall we say, adult-altering drugs as well. Um, we'll be right back with Kelly O'Meara. Don't go away. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the Sensory Learning Program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen. You know me for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the One Minute Millionaire, and Cracking the Millionaire Code. And what I want you to know is that if you want to have rip-roaringly good health, listen to Health Crusades by my friend John Farley. Tune in to Health Crusades with John Farley every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program, here's Betsy. We're back here with Kelly O'Meara and talking about psychiatric drugs and the use 
we are, well, basically a lot of their use on children right now is what we're speaking of, and I, I want to continue with that thought because what we were saying right before break, Kelly is talking about how, you know, my specialty in this world is, is diet, and, and I'm really well aware of the fact that our children are tremendously lacking in the nutrition their brains need, and that is going to affect their behavior. Now, in my anger, which is probably stems from a different place than what, what where you write and fight about, is that my anger is what the drugs do is they mask the, the real underlying causes. Right. So if you have a child that whenever they have... Dairy, for example, it really affects their behavior and wigs them out and makes them extremely hyper. Uh If you give them a drug and it masks that, then more damage is going to be done because you're going to continue to give the dairy and you're not addressing the actual problem. Right. So hitting it from a different angle, aside from the negative effects that these drugs can have, they can also mask some really important symptoms that need to be dealt with. And emotions that need to be dealt with. Right. I mean, you know, you and I growing up in an era where if you have a problem, and I don't, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I have dealt with pieces of depression before, and I have used things in the past that have worked as a bridge to get me over the edge, mm-hmm. and not for very long, but as a bridge to get me over. It's the addictive piece that gets me the concern. My big piece was once I understood about the way my biochemistry worked and I started to give myself, um, you know, the, the fatty acids that I needed and the diet that I needed, I was able to go away from all that. But I, what I don't want is somebody listening today who is on a medication who's feeling really guilty and bad about themselves because the one message that I want to make sure that you have too is that this is not your fault. This is... Uh, what an industry has done to you, but but there are other ways that can be helped. And, sure. Look, I think it's important that people understand we're having a conversation based on, you know, my book, based on research I've done. Um, certainly no one should go off a drug without talking to their doctor. That's the first thing, okay? Sure. And secondly, this is about informed consent. The whole purpose behind my book yeah was to make people aware of both sides of the story of psychiatric drugs and psychiatric diagnosing. Make them aware. If they are aware of both sides and choose to accept the diagnosis and choose to take the drugs, that's an adult decision and it's an informed decision. A great thing to say. And, and Kelly, i got to tell you, the first time I talked to you, you said something to me that stuck with me so much. And, I mean, after you said this to me, I... I called up Autism One and I said, I want her on my show. <laughs> and what you said to me made so much sense. And, I, and I, I'm not going to quote it as well as you, as you did, but you said, if a drug warning said that your penis is going to fall off, you're not going to take it. <laughs> but if it says may cause suicide, it's not, people feel that, oh, that's no big deal. <laughs> And, 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 I, and, I, and I quote that to this very day, and I give you full credit for it because I think that that is the way we have to think about this. We, why are we not afraid when we see a warning that says may cause suicide? Exactly. Well, again, you know, much of, of, of what the, the public does is based on the information they're given, and most of the information they get is from the American Psychiatric Association, filtered down through governmental agencies and, you know, private organizations like NAMI or 
you know, um, Chad. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, um, they receive money from the pharmaceuticals, the the private organization. So it's you know it's obviously in their best interest to say that ah well it's only four percent of the population during clinical trials who experienced suicidality. Well, you know, as you and I well know, anything that happens in clinical trials absolutely crosses over into the general public, okay? Right. So, if you know, if you're informed and you know that this could cause you to have suicidal thoughts and you still take it and choose to take it, well, you're making an informed decision. But most people, until the black box warnings were put on the drugs for children, they didn't know it. They weren't aware. And I'll tell you, the drop in these drugs was 20%. 20% drop in the prescriptions for these drugs for kids after the black box warning was added. That's huge. People because are people had the, yeah. the information. Right. right. And they could make, parents could make an informed decision. But the schools, they press it. They press sure. it. Sure. Look, the whole... I call it planet psychopharma, okay? They are in another world. It's almost as if uh, our best interest is not being represented. The public's best interest is not being represented. Rather, it's, you know, keeping the pharmaceuticals, stock price up, um, selling the drugs. All you have to do is watch television on any given day, and you will see, you know, just a huge number of television commercials about how these drugs are going to make your life just wonderful. Right. And the fact is, and I go back to this over and over and over again throughout my book, at nauseum, because it's important. There is no science behind psychiatric diagnosing. You know, people may be depressed for a variety of reasons that are all legitimate. You know, they hate their job, they hate their kids, they, you know, they hate their husband, they, you know, whatever. They hate driving an hour in traffic every day. Things in life are tough, and they're depressing. And we're being led to believe that it's not life's events that are depressing. Rather, it is a brain disease. Right. And that's not true. It's, right. a, it's completely false. It's a lie. Right. And, but nobody holds the psychiatric community uh, to the fire and has made them come in in front of lawmakers and show their science because they can't. Well, sure, but drugs like Ritalin, Adderall, Concerta, and Stratera that are used so commonly in autism as well as ADD and the sure. whole spectrum, the, the one side effect that I think is important that people understand is that does it, does it almost like retrain the brain? In other words, once you get off it, can, can your brain actually function in the same way that it was capable of? I mean, that, that's the piece that I'm, I'm trying to well, understand. that's a good question, and I address this in my book. There have been no long-term studies on the use of Ritalin, none. And any of the short-term studies that have been done, and I, I quote the Odor Project uh, that came out of Oregon State University, I mean, they sum it up, and basically they looked at every single ADHD uh, slash uh, Ritalin, Adderall, concert, all the drugs that were used. And they basically came up with, you know, there is no evidence that ADHD, you know, helps. 
There's no evidence that it's effective. There's no evidence that it exists. Nothing. None of these 2,700 studies supported ADHD's existence or that the treatments help. Right. So we don't know long-term. No one has ever done a long-term study. Wow. That's that's very scary. It is very scary. It's almost like, you know, we are, the public has become the pharmaceutical guinea pig. (laughs) Well, we know that. And and we are their post-marketing test. Yeah. They do maybe 2,000 people uh, in a clinical trial. And then they get it on the market, and the public is the post-marketing result. What kind of okay, this is this is one fact that I know I know a little bit about pharmaceutical industry, especially dealing with all the vaccine stuff that I work with. Mm-hmm. But from what I have read, they have more lobbyists in Washington D.C. than they actually do congressmen and senators combined uh, that are working for the pharmaceutical companies. Well, and that that may be very true. I don't know the exact number, but worse than that is that we have so many former lawmakers who actually go to work for the pharmaceuticals. Oh, right. <laughs> so, that's right. That's true. And that's, that is worse than just it, having the lobbyists alone. Yeah. I, um, and, and, again, the, the money that they have um, is extraordinary. Well, I can imagine with as expensive as these drugs are. And then, then you get into the whole insurance piece of it. Sure. And how... Easily it is, how easy it is to get something such as this covered by insurance as opposed to address any other issues. Yeah, you know, and you have to look at there's, there's the cause and effect situation. In other words, a child may, may, you know, have these symptoms of ADHD, right? Right. Then they're put on Ritalin or one of the other ADHD drugs that allege to treat this alleged <laughs> brain dis, you know, disease. So they're on it, and what we have now found, and it was reported earlier, or actually last year, that the number of children who now have to take sleep medications has gone up, I think, 257% mm. in the last five years. Well, what's interesting about that is that if you look at all the drugs that are used to treat ADHD, you know, the number one thing as an adverse reaction in all of them is insomnia, mm-hmm. right? right? So what is the drug companies, what have they done? Okay, they've created a drug to treat a non-existent brain disease, right, which now creates a need for another drug to help them go to sleep, right? I mean, what's next? Well, the- well, they're going to they're going to create a drug that's going to support the or do something for the liver because it's going to be totally knocked out after all these drugs that exactly and we have and we have uh, evidence and there and there is concern about liver damage uh, associated with stratera. Oh, it has to be huge. And, and then then if you if you enter our little autism world of vaccine damage and all that, these kids' livers are are already. From, from heavy metals and such, already stressed to the very end, and then, then the medications are just are just adding to that. Right. Oh, this is, yeah. It's not a pretty picture. And, again, the purpose for me uh, as a journalist was when I wrote the articles I wrote for Insight Magazine and then I left the magazine was 
to, to put it all together in a book and, and let people make an informed decision. Because what I found when I wrote the articles is I would get thousands of emails saying, oh, you're so right, and, you know, why don't we know this, and, you know, blah, 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 nobody talks about it. So that's why I wrote the book, because I thought, you know, the public really is uninformed and misinformed often. I, we're going to be taking a break in a little bit, uh, but when we do come back, something we need to really talk about is um, the profession of, the psych- well, the psychiatrist profession, the neurologist profession, what is happening with medical schools and their, um, their just complete lack of going back to biochemistry and going forward with simple just learning about medication and drugs right. and that piece. Because this is a really important factor that I have seen. My husband is a physician, so I, I know what he's been trained in and what he hasn't. And this really is what scares me the most because the up-and-coming doctors are being taught drugs, and, and that is what it's all about. Right. It's no longer about healing or preventative medicine or anything such as that. It's about one drug after the next. So we'll talk about that a little bit when we get back. Please don't go away. We have the wonderful Kelly O'Meara with us, and we'll be right back after the short break. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. The pressures to be thin or ideal go beyond the Hollywood headlines. In fact, those suffering from eating disorders in the U.S. number in the millions, and eating disorders such as anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating are more common than Alzheimer's disease. Eating disorders affect men, women, adolescents, as well as young children. On Understanding Eating Disorders, Dr. Tom Scales, an internist and psychiatrist, uncovers the causes and characteristics of various eating disorders and shares his expertise on current treatment approaches. Expert guests and personal stories from some who have recovered reveal the depth of emotional conflicts of these dangerously obsessive conditions and the resolutions that work. Tune in to Understanding Eating Disorders with Dr. Tom Scales every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Understanding Eating Disorders, the cycle of eating disorders, can be broken. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We're back here with Kelly O'Mara, and I'm really loving this interview because I'm learning so much, Kelly, and, and um, you're helping me all sort it out in my brain here. <laughs> so, the, so the next piece I want to help you have you help me sort out is the difference between people are getting um, meds from many different venues. Sure, <laughs> everywhere. Um, so let's let's talk about the difference between the psychiatrist versus the neurologist versus the primary care physician. Well, here's here's the difference. Again, what we want to look at is when it comes to psychiatric diagnosing, what you want in, when it comes to medicine is to go, is there an objective confirmable abnormality in right. the brain? If there's not, then your, your so, physician is not supposed to tell you right. that you have an abnormality. He's you, not supposed to tell you you have an abnormality if he can't find one. The only person who could actually potentially see that abnormality would be a neurologist? Is that... Well, again, through some sort of objective test, blood, right. uh, x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs, PET scans, uh, you name it, there would be an objective test where, that you could find the abnormality. In psychiatry, there are no tests. It's all... They talk to you for 15 minutes and they decide that you have this brain disease. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that... Wait, when when you're talking about real doctors who really understand the brain, you want to talk to a neurologist. And right. if a neurologist goes through all the tests and can't find an abnormality, by law he is not supposed to tell you that you have an abnormality. Really? Well, think about it. Think that about makes it. Sense. I, 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 but you're I you're about... married to a physician. Can right. you tell somebody that they're suffering from an abnormality that he can't show them? That he can't prove. I'm, I'm I'm scanning every potential in my head right now, and I'm tr- I'm looking for, for an. Uh, uh, for could he tell them they had a broken leg if he couldn't prove no. it? No, no. Could, could he tell them they had cancer? But you could tell somebody that they may have a digestive disorder that that sounds you know. For example, if they have eczema, and every time they eat eggs, they break out an eczema, and if you didn't do a test. It would still be a reason for saying, well, you might want to give up eggs for a while. Yeah, but again, you're not telling somebody that because you eat eggs, you have a disorder. You're telling somebody that eggs exacerbate you're right. That's the exactly right. eczema. Okay, so go back to your... <laughs> I was just trying to search for, for a reason, but no, I, I can't think of anything. So anyway, again, it's a neurologist who ultimately, if you want to find out if you have a brain disease, you go to, not a okay. psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is going to talk to you. And by the way, I think I mentioned this before when we were doing a pre-interview thing. You know, if you're asleep, the fact is no doctor can diagnose you with an abnormality, I mean a psychiatric abnormality, because a psychiatrist depends on your answers in order to give you a diagnosis. Okay. Not any kind of test. It's all what the patient says to them. (laughs) Yeah. So you're basically diagnosing yourself. Again, it's, oh, geez, I'm depressed. Um, you know, what if, for whatever reason, this stuff is going on in my life. Oh, oh, well, you're depressed and we have this drug. Not because I, they've done any tests. And today in America, 
90, I think it's 95% of all prescriptions written uh, for psychiatric disorders are done by the family physician. They're not even done by psychiatrists really? anymore. I mean, that's how rampant it is. Now, really? we're not even talking about people going to psychiatrists who supposedly would be the experts in psychiatric, you know, diagnosing. We're going to people who probably, you know, took two or three classes in college. Right. Who are now going, oh, yeah, yeah, you have ADHD. These colleges are so strongly being funded now, medical colleges so strongly funded by pharmaceutical companies that it scares me even more to the information that's going to be trained into our new uh, up-and-coming doctors. The... um, the physicians are doing it very readily, though. Also, how much does this have to do with insurance? I mean, an insurance company has you in their power for two to two to three years at the most. They, they take care of you for two to three years. That's all they're concerned about. It is much cheaper for them to have to fulfill the prescription and to not have to send you to a psychiatrist or psychologist, to not have you see the pediatrician back and forth, to not have you have to do any further testing. So it's the, a lot of these these doctors who are working for insurance companies aren't aren't they being really pushed to give the script? Well, they don't get paid. It? Here's the thing: it's my understanding that a physician doesn't get reimbursed unless they write a script, unless they write a prescription. Oh, really? Now, see, I, I that I wasn't aware. My, they we're, have to, we're in private practice, so I, I doesn't. They have to put the code, the psychiatric code, in order to get paid. So, in other words, they have to write a prescription. Wow. That's interesting because I had an um, uh, insurance company one time say to me, we will not cover any test that the results don't have us use a med- uh, prescribe a medication. So if the test was just going to find out that you're deficient in certain vitamins, forget it, they're not going to pay for that. But if it shows that um, they can prescribe a medication from the test, then they'll pay for that. So that even goes even even further. Right. Right. Okay. So, you know, i got to interrupt you for just yeah. a minute. I just got an email, <laughs> this is bizarre, oh, that it says that the FDA is now going to put on stronger warnings on ADH drugs, ADHD drugs, and it'll state in part, quote, sudden death strokes and myocardial infa- infarction have been reported in adults taking stimulant drugs at usual doses. And that includes Ritalin, Adderall, and Concerta. Scary, okay, so look, I mean, again, these drugs are very serious. Yeah. This, <laughs> you know, here's another warning from the FDA. It, the number of warnings that have come out uh, by the FDA in the last five years is up 1,700%. Okay. Okay, I, I got to say, though, this last weekend I read in my little local Hope <laughs> paper, because I live in the middle of nowhere, they have one of these Associated Press doctors who gives advice, okay? Mm-hmm. So somebody said about, should I be concerned with the side effects of this particular drug? And basically his article was that side effects are so overrated. And what he said was, if salt were a drug, the list of side effects would be just as long as as they are for any basic drug that's on the market. And... I, I just couldn't even believe it. I couldn't even believe that. I don't even believe it either. What a ridiculous response. I, that's, <laughs> this was a, a national written article that what my thought was, 
we worked so hard as a society to get the, the labels, the warnings out there, and now you're discounting it all and saying don't be so afraid well, because it I, really doesn't mean much? You know, again, that's when I would have done research on the person who wrote that. How, you know, do they get any funds from the pharmaceuticals? Are they supporting? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I would have gone into a whole long investigation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of your background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and then I would have gone, okay, I don't have to listen to this guy anymore. <laughs> Mine was just to decide never to read it again. Well, Although, good. I mean, and that's what most people should do. I mean, you need to take these warnings because, trust me, the FDA places these warnings only after they have been so backed into a corner. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It was years. It has been years that Ritalin has been on the market, and it only now are they putting this warning on. We're talking three decades. What about adults and, and, the, and the drugs... The, well, you know, the the, the adult drugs, uh, Prozac. you know, Prozac, Luvox, Celexa, we could go down the whole list. Um, they are uh, extraordinarily harmful, too. They, again, um, the FDA has not completed its investigation of the adult adverse reactions in clinical trials. We were hoping they would be out a year ago. They still are not out. So we're waiting on that, and I think that eventually they will add blood black box warnings, even for the adults on those drugs. Um, I, I don't know if you saw the Andrea Yates uh, appeal trial. No. Um, and she she actually was found, um, you know, basically that uh, she was insane at the time. I have always believed that she was insane at the time because she was on four mind-altering drugs at the time that she killed her children. Yeah. And... Well, I don't think it excuses her of the crime. I think that it explains the crime, um, especially when you see now that we know that 4% of the people who take Prozac, Luvox, the SSRIs, right. um, we know that they experience mania and psychosis. And she was on, you know, twice, in, in one case, three times the legal limit. Jeez. So I'm not surprised. And her physician's not going to be held accountable, is he, for any of this? Excuse me? It, it, yeah. <laughs> the physicians aren't going to be held accountable for the fact that she was on four drugs and at that time murdered her children. Well, this is an. I, I actually wrote an article about this once, and I thought this was an interesting question. Her psychiatrist, I thought, should have been held responsible because, let's look at it this way, if you are in a bar and you're drinking, Right, and you drink too much. Exactly. That bartender gave you that alcohol, exactly. and now that bartender is now held responsible also. I, I couldn't agree more. We have to take a break now, Kelly. We'll be right back, and we'll wrap this wonderful discussion up. And I, I hope uh, everybody is, is being able to take this message and pass it around. We'll be right back with Kelly O'Meara. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. We had a wonderful experience in our trip to the Sensory Learning Institute, and the main issue to sum everything up is that we went there with a child who was out of control and hyper, who had severe sensory issues and autistic tendencies, and we brought home a child who was vastly different. We brought home a child 
who plays with me and talks to me and looks in my eyes and tells me he loves me. The goal and focus of the sensory learning program is to enable the central nervous system to better process sensory information by simultaneously stimulating visual, auditory, and vestibular systems with light, sound, and motion. By challenging these three sensory systems to work together and adapt to multi-sensory input, this intervention often improves speech, perception, understanding, social interaction, coordinated movement, and the ability to learn. We invite all parents interested in sensory learning program for a child to complete the confidential assessment on our website at www.sensorylearning.com. Omega Institute is the country's leading center for holistic studies. Now you can experience selected workshops from Omega in the comfort of your own home. Join us for a live web broadcast with John Friend, the founder of Anasara Yoga. In this dynamic workshop, we learn a Hatha Yoga system that is a celebration of the heart and looks for the good in all people and all things. To find out more about our live web broadcast, log on to our website, www.eomega.org. That's www.eomega.org. Or call us at 800-944-1001. That's 800-944-1001. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Betsy. We are back here with Kelly O'Mara speaking about her wonderful book, Psyched Out. And that's the one thing that we have not talked about enough is the book itself. The book, yeah. Psyched Out. We've been having so much fun talking. It has been fun. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell people about this fabulous book. The book is Psyched Out. Kelly, can you give people information on how to get the book? Yeah. They can go to Amazon.com, Borders, BarnesandNoble.com. It's only sold online. Um, but your and, web and your website and my website psychedout.net psychedout.net that's p s y c h e d o u t dot net her website's great full of some great information as well and you can learn a lot more about a lot of what Kelly has done and continues to do for for everyone <laughs> um, Kelly if wait, let, let me just briefly talk about my story in that um, when my son was diagnosed with autism, it was the most unbelievably horrific time of my life. Um, And my son was extremely severe. So it wasn't just some light little version where he had a few problems. It was was like he wanted to kill himself at a three three years old type of severe. Right. Um, I, at that time, went to a therapist who I truly believe saved my life. Right. I it wasn't on medication at the time, and you know, she really got me my life back, and I started getting into action. And then, and then as time went on, there were times when I went through divorce, and I um, went through a small period where I, I was taking something. And I have to say, um, is, is I did know what the side effects were. And at that time, I really felt that my life was so difficult that I probably wouldn't have gone on if if I hadn't been on something and but we, we but I was able to get off of it and, and right. I have to say that I'm, I'm proud of that fact but I also don't look down on anybody and we talked about this at the beginning of the show sure and, and I think I want to, to mention it again once again that Kelly is saying not saying that this is the most horrible thing that you could ever do but you have to be aware of the side effects and you have to 
straighten out whatever needs to be straightened out in your because depression is a part of life. Yeah, I, and I think that that you know we spoke about this during the break. Um, it is part of life. Depression is part of life because it's the things in life that are making us unhappy, and that's depression. I mean, we're unhappy, okay? Um, and, and that's normal. It's normal. Right. It's complete. In fact, I would think it would be abnormal if you weren't depressed. When you when you just get a diagnosis that your child has a disability, it, or, or you, you continue know, on, yeah, or, yeah, you're, the diagnosis, the the divorce, the you know anything, those are depressing things. The the problem that I think I have is that people who are going through these extraordinarily depressing times are being led to believe that this magic pill mm-hmm. is going to cure all of life's problems right. and disappointments. And hurts and pains, and it's not. It will mask them. It will change your behavior, but long term, those problems don't go away. Um, and then you are now taking a drug that has potential uh, life-threatening effects. Let's talk about Tom Cruise because Tom, yes, I, you know, I love him. I, I love. <laughs> I have to say, I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, and I love his stance on it. Look, Tom, let me just say this. Tom Cruise is absolutely right. When he said there is no such thing as a chemical imbalance in the brain, he is absolutely right. And the American Psychiatric Association has never said he was wrong. The medical community has never said he was wrong. What they did is they jumped all over him about his affiliation with Scientology, right. which I have no idea what that's about. But the point is, <laughs> it doesn't matter. The man right. is right. That's right. And I write a whole chapter about how the press has dropped the ball on the whole chemical imbalance schmalance thing. It's ridiculous. It doesn't exist in the brain. They, have, they can't even measure your chemicals in your brain. The only way they can measure brain chemicals is at autopsy. A little too late then. Yeah, it's a little too late then <laughs> for that diagnosis. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Tom Cruise is absolutely right. God bless him for putting himself on the line and, and, and putting the issue out there. Yeah. And... and uh, you know where where once again where i get into it is there are a lot of things nutritionally that your brain needs to keep going and yes. if you're not getting nutrition if you're not getting the right amount of supplements if you're not getting fatty acids and if you're eating a bunch of preservatives and and nitrates and msg and all of these things that yes. really contaminate your brain i agree and then you go into our sedentary lifestyle and staring in front of a computer or a t- television all day long and, um, you know, these people that watch hours and hours of television where you were saying before every commercial is of a happy person, um, you know, you're right. We, we, we have cycles in our lives. And when, we, when we're dealt with depression, and, and it doesn't matter what your spiritual affiliation is, you have to believe that, that every blow that happens in your life happens for a reason to, to help you gain strength, whatever it might be. And that there is some help out there for you that is not about the quick fix of the drug. And Kelly, this is a hard piece in our clinic because we um, have a lot of patients who are so used to the quick fix right. that they can't understand 
why, okay, we've, we now have just prescribed a few vitamins, a few things, changed the diet. Why aren't I better tomorrow? Right. And that's the other thing that these drugs are doing is they're, they're teaching people that it can all go away in a day. Well, but again, the thing is that it doesn't go away. It doesn't. It masks exactly what's really going on in your life. And, and you're exactly right. And that doesn't make it all better. So then what do they do? They just change the meds or they up the dosage. Well, exactly. And, and, and again, this is an important point. How many people have started out, let's say on Prozac, which was supposed to get rid of their depression, it's supposed to treat their depression. Then it doesn't work. Then they have to go to, you know, uh, Paxil. Then they go to Luvox and, you know, they, it's, it's endless. Right. But if these drugs really treated an abnormality in the brain, they wouldn't need to keep switching drugs. Right. There is no abnormality, and this is what people need to understand. Well, first of all, stop accepting somebody telling you that you're abnormal. <laughs> That's a good point, yes. Who are they? You know, go look at their life. See how normal it is. <laughs> you know, most of these people didn't graduate at the top of their class either. <laughs> you know? And I bet you have those statistics, Kelly. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet, I bet you got to post those on the website. Well, you know, I just have more faith in the American public, I think, than most of psychiatry. I happen to think that, you know what, 99% of the people actually go through life and grow up and leave, lead pretty good, you know, productive lives. Yeah. If we just... Leave them alone. Don't contaminate their brain. Exactly right. (laughs) But that seems to be the thing now. It's almost hip if you're on a drug. It is. And 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 certainly the schools can be the first to, the school nurses will tell you, I mean, the standard forms now, the standard forms that go home in every child's packet about, you know, the drug that they may have to take during certain whatever time of the day. Um, and, and the line of the children, that the, you know, all the kids that line up. And I've talked to some of these parents today, before, and I've asked them, I said, you know, there are other options. And they say, I'm too overwhelmed. I can't do other options because I'm too overwhelmed. And a lot of it is because the parents need the same sort of help that the children do. But they are, it, it's just, it's just too simple to do the medication. And well, you know, the thing is, what they have to really sit down and think about is, you know, their child's welfare. And yeah. and they have to take all this information in. And you know what? It may be hard and it may be difficult and you may have to work harder. But the long-term effect for the child is not a rosy future. But they may say something to the effect of that what I hear back is that, Yes, but if my child can't concentrate in school and they can't learn, then there's not a good rosy future either. Well, and again, I would come back if somebody was talking to me. I go, well, let's see him in a in a in a tougher class. Let's put him in an advanced class. Most not, you know, I tell you, I can't tell me any parents I've interviewed who have said, you know, my child wouldn't pay attention. They were doing poorly in school, blah blah blah, and then they were put in a tougher class and they thrived. Right. These are kids who actually are very bright and who are bored out of their minds. Yeah, that's very true. We have to go. Kelly, thank you so much for being on the show today. The book is called Psyched Out, a wonderful book, and you can get it in many different venues. But but visit our website. It's psychedout.net. Thank you, Kelly, for being on the show today. Thank you, Betsy. It was a pleasure. It was great. Everybody, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Bye-bye. 
Sensory Learning Center would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Betsy or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Betsy Hicks.